Amen. It's Vision Sunday. Everyone say Vision Sunday. Now, there's a couple of passages of Scripture passages of scripture that are very familiar, passages of Scripture concerning vision. Can anybody tell me one of them? Habakkuk 2.2. There you go. Thank you. It's right there. We're going to read that one in just a moment. In fact, we're going to read Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3. Okay? Does anybody know another one? I thought they were popular visionary passages. It's one verse. Proverbs, there it is, Proverbs 29, 18, I think. It says, without a vision or a prophetic revelation, the people perish. How many of you know that that means we need some vision for 2015? How many of you don't want to perish, but you want to prosper? All the people who want to prosper in 2015, lift your hands. Amen. You know how you're going to do it? You got to get a vision from God. Okay, and so today's Vision Sunday, and as my, as my lovely wife shared, this 2015 is a year of evangelism and harvest. That's the vision of God for us today. We want to embrace that. I want you to embrace that. I want you to take that vision as your vision. I want you to catch the vision. Somebody say, catch the vision. And so today I'm going to share a message with you about vision, about spiritual vision. And we're going to look to Habakkuk chapter 2. And I want you to turn there if you can because this is a powerful passage of Scripture. I'm going to read these three verses. There they are up there. I'm going to read them for you. You follow along. Habakkuk said this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And everyone said one more, Amen. Let me give you two visionary statements from that passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to share with you some important thoughts, uh, focal points from that for you for 2015. The first one is this. The vision's completion demands our determined participation. The vision's completion demands our determined participation. Now, look at the last part of that verse 3. It says, though it tarries, wait for it, it shall surely come. Did you know God has a plan for you? He wants to give a vision to you, and He wants that vision to come to fruition. He wants there to be a completion of the vision, and a, woo, hallelujah, there it is. Everybody go, woo, hallelujah, there it is. Amen. I got some of you. Hey, when it find, when you finally see it and it begins to come to fruition, it's whoo, hallelujah. There it is. God has that plan for you. He has that plan for us. But I want you to see something. It demands, <coughs> pardon me, our determined participation. And we see Habakkuk saying this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Then he says, and, and, and I will listen to, and I will look and I will listen to see what he's going to show me and what he's going to uh, tell me. Uh, and I will answer him when he, when he corrects me. How many of you know Habakkuk is stepping up to the plate and he's volunteering and he's participating and he's participating in the vision of God? In fact, the scripture doesn't say that God said, hey Habakkuk, you better step up to the plate here. Hey Habakkuk, you better set yourself on 
the rampart. Hey, Habakkuk, you better, you better answer when you're, when I correct you. No, he just steps up to the plate. Listen, that's what we need in 2015. We need some people who will step up to the plate right into the presence of God, not knowing what he's going to say, not knowing what he's going to tell them to do and say, I will willingly participate in the vision of God that you have for my life. I'm stepping up and here I am. And today in the next few days and this week, I pray you would step up like Habakkuk did and say, I'm going to participate. I'm going to get involved in the vision of God. I'm going to get involved in the vision of Church on the Rock North. I'm going to take praying and, and bringing my friends to Christ seriously. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and then hopefully, hey, it's getting close to Super Bowl. You know who I'm praying? Oh, hallelujah. Are there, are there any cowboy fans in the house? All right. It's, hey, if they're in the Super Bowl on Friday, oh, pardon me, on Sunday, February 2nd, I believe it is, I'm wearing a jersey. Amen. I'm excited. Now, did you know there'll be whoever the Super Bowl winners will be? Did you know there'll be people who didn't, didn't even play in the game will get a ring? Nobody will know. But listen, in this vision that God has for us, he doesn't want anybody on the sidelines. There's no, we're all starters in God's team. And so I want you to say, I'm stepping up to the plate. I'm getting involved. I'm, I am determined to participate in the vision that God has for me. Amen. And then the second visionary statement is this. A hearing ear needs a seeing eye. Everyone say that. A hearing ear requires a seeing eye. Look what he says. He said, I will watch to see what he will say to me. Everyone say, I will watch to see what he will say to me. Now, this is a key principle of life. You got to see something. And once you begin to see it, God can begin to speak to you through what you see. So if you don't see, it's hard to, to hear God. So your capacity to see is linked to your capacity to hear what God is saying for you. And if you're blind to the vision of God, you're not going to hear the word of the Lord in your life. But if you'll open your eyes, if you'll step up like Nehemiah, pardon me, Habakkuk stepped up and he said, Hey, I want to participate. I'm going to do this. I will. Everybody say, I will. I will. So that's the heartbeat. And that's what I want you to catch. I want you to hear what God has to say to you. And hey, if you're going to hear it, you got to begin to see what God wants you to see. You got to see the harvest coming in. Hey, with Pastor Sam, you got to see this altar filled with lost people being born again. You got to see your friends being born again, your family members being born again. Amen. Now, quickly, hopefully. In the next 20 to 25 minutes, I'm going to share with you three visionary focal points for the new year from this passage of Scripture. The first one is this, clarity of vision. See, a lot of us are kind of like the guy that was in the process of being healed. Jesus came along, I think it's when he put the mud in his eyes, but uh, even if not, he, this is what he did. He prayed for a guy who was blind, and, and the guy said, I see men as trees walking. Everything was still fuzzy, and Jesus prayed over him a couple, two or three times, and then he saw all things clearly. Some of us, a lot of us are in that process. We see a little, but we see men as trees walking. There needs to be clarity of vision. Now, here's what we see Habakkuk says. He says, I'm going to position myself. I'm going to stand my watch. I'm going to set myself on the rampart or the tower and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am what? Corrected. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that 
that I have corrective lenses. And it's a, it's a, it's a hindrance to me. I can't see you very well. You're fuzzy, but now I see all... I, I don't, now I see men as trees walking. Now I see all things clearly. But sadly, when I come up here and look down, even though I've got bifocals, it confuses me. And I got to take... Oh, it's just a... Hey, I need corrective lenses uh, in my, in my, for me to be able to see clearly. And here's what Habakkuk said. He said, I know there's some areas of my life that needs correcting. If I'm going to see clearly, there's some correction that needs to take place in my life. Let me just tell you. Let me, hey, let me just, you, you want me to be honest with you today? All of us in here need some correction in our life. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not just talking about me, he's talking about you too, brother. We all need areas that need to be corrected in our life. And Habakkuk didn't say, I'm going to listen and watch to see, and I'm going to answer when I'm corrected, not if I'm corrected. He knew there's some areas in my life that need to be corrected. And if you will embrace that truth today, you'll begin to see things better. If you'll begin to yield yourself to the correction of God in your life and begin, <coughs> pardon me, begin to correct some areas in your life, then you can begin to see clearly. Habakkuk just knew, if I'm going to see, there's some areas of my life that's going to need correcting. And God's going to say something to me, and it's going to require some correction on my part. Amen? How many of you could use a little correction? Come on, all of us. How many of you could use a lot of correction? How many of you, the person next to you needs a whole lot of correction? All right, okay. Beverly, did you lift your hand? I'm not down there. How many of you know the pastor needs a, a little bit of correction in his life? Okay, we all do. Amen. This, in fact, this morning in prayer, thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, this morning in prayer, I realize there's some areas of my life that need to correct. I, I, I apologize to the Lord. I repented to the Lord this morning about just some the ways I'm doing things, and I, my prayer life needs to be sharper and more in tune, so I need some correction in my life. Sadly, most people look at correction from the wrong lens. Have you ever tried to correct somebody who needed correction? And they weren't looking at it the way you were? Only one person? How many of you have ever tried to correct somebody, whether it's a child or someone, and they just didn't receive it very well? We don't need to be that way with God. But let me tell you how a lot of people view correction. They look at it through the lens of denial. Now, that wasn't Habakkuk's case. He said, I'm going to listen. I'm watching, and I'm going to listen for what he's going to say to me. And when he corrects me, I'm going to position myself with the right answer. He didn't say if. He said when. He was positioned for correction. But most people, or let me just don't, let me, let me don't assume here. Some people look at correction through the lens of denial. And when God or someone in their life comes and says, hey, this area needs to be fixed, we go, who, Me? You're not talking about me, are you? There's nothing in my life. Hey, I don't have a problem. And we say things like this. You're pointing the finger at me. There's four more pointing back at you, brother. <laughs> That's looking at life through the lens of denial. And when God comes to speak to you through the old bow-legged, gray-headed, chubby preacher, don't sit there and go, who, who, me? I don't have a problem. There ain't nothing in my life needs correction. You can't do that. Look at your neighbor and say, you just can't do that. You can't do that. All right? Here's another way people look at, at correction. They look at it through the wrong lens. They look at it through the lens of defeat. 
How many of you have made a few mistakes in your life? How many of you ever got defeated? Uh, just, you ever been so defeated you just get your, the tuck head? You just tuck, you know, just uh, in some, and along comes the Lord trying to pick you up. Oh, I can't do that. I'm toe jam. I've made too many mistakes. Oh, you want me to do that? There's no way I can do that. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm a no good. I've stumbled and messed up too much. That's the wrong lens to look. Hey, when God, did you know when God comes to correct you, it means he believes you can be corrected. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not a hopeless case. I don't care. Come on, tell somebody. You are not a hopeless case. Some of us look through the lens of not only denial and defeat, but some look at correction through the lens of delusion. They're deluded. And there's a very clear problem. But they are so deluded, they don't think it's a problem. And they have taken, and they have justified problems, and they say things like this, everybody's doing it. This is really not a problem. When in clearly, according to biblical, uh, um, biblical insight, it's very clearly a problem. But did you know the devil goes about life trying to turn things that are wrong and make them look, look like they're right? Not just that they're okay, but that they're right. They get, de- get deluded and deceived in our thinking. And some people look at their life and there's clearly areas that need to be corrected. And they look and not only are they in denial that they have a problem, they take the problem and dilute it down and tr- twist it around and think it's not a problem at all. Amen. So, hey, clarity of vision requires correction. We've got to yield to the corrective lenses of God. You know, when I was a kid, I, I guess I couldn't see as a child, but I'll never forget, I used to go to the Baptist church as a little kid in Red Oak, Texas, and we sat on the back row. As a bon- I didn't even know that you could be a bona fide back row Baptist, but I was, and I, I sat on the back row. It wasn't a very big sanctuary. Gosh, it probably was no deeper than this one right here, but I, re- I remember when I finally went to school. You remember, do they still at school give you vision check? They had school, got vision check, and they sent a note home with, my, with me to my mom. This boy needs corrective lenses. And I went, and they gave me corrective lenses, these big, black, horn-rim, ugly glasses. They were, now they're kind of cool. Back then, they were ugly. But I remember going to church that first Sunday. I sat down on the back row. And looked up at, at Brother Milam Fields, Lord rest his soul. And I said, so that's what he looks like. <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't see until I began to see. Until somebody came along and says, you need some correction in your life. And a lot of people don't know they can't see spiritually until they begin to see spiritually. And I want to encourage you to realize, just take my, you know, I gave somebody some important cor- uh, correction and instruction a few weeks ago. And, and they said to me something along these lines. They said, I just don't see it. Well, I, I, I told them this. Well, let me just say, when you leave this room, you need to say, hey, Pastor Sam sees it. I don't see it because he sees it. I'm going to choose to see it and believe it because he's He's my pastor. And some of us don't see very well, and we just need to realize I need some correction in my life. Tell your neighbor, I need some correction in my life. 
so I can get clarity of vision. And then the third, uh, the second thing about clarity of vision, it requires a new perspective. To see clearly, you might need a new perspective. Look what Habakkuk said in chapter uh, 2, verse 1. He said, I will stand my watch. How many of you know when you stand, it's a new perspective? You're getting a higher level of looking at things. And listen, let me just say to you, wherever you are right now, if you want to see beyond where you are right now, and you need to see beyond where you are right now, you need to take a stand. Everybody say, stand up. Get a better perspective. But he not only stood up uh, with, to get a greater perspective, he said, I'm going to set myself and stand my watch and set myself on the rampart or the tower. In his day, that was the highest place a person could get to see as far as a person could see. He said, I'm setting myself on the highest place so I can see what God, well, I need a new perspective about things. Have you ever been so depressed, you're down in the basement digging holes and somebody came along and they said, and you said, man, I'm depressed. And they said, well, the first thing you need to do is get out of this basement where you're digging holes you need to get to church and get, pardon me and get a better perspective about what's really going on in the world around you amen we need clarity of vision it requires correction it requires a new perspective some of you've been looking at something the same old way all your life what you need is a better perspective get up Quit wallowing around in the mire of discontent. And began to stand up and began to position yourselves at a place where you can see a little better. And then number three, clarity of vision requires the proper position. Now, listen carefully. He said, I'm going to stand my watch. Everyone say, my watch. Now, in, in the day he's talking about, he's waxing illustrative. He's, he's given an illustration when he says, I'm going to stand my watch because, you know, in the city there was, there was a wall. Around most cities there was a wall and they had watchtowers and they had gates and they would stand people on their watch and people would, everyone had a responsibility to stand their watch and it was for the purpose of making sure no enemies got into the gates, no, no, no troublemakers, no shenanigans uh, 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 began to happen uh, uh, outside the city that would, that would undermine the integrity of the city. And so, uh, uh, Habakkuk is saying, you know what? When it comes to the vision of God for my life and for, for our community and what's, I'm, I'm finding my position. I'm plugging in where God wants me to be and I'm going to make sure that I'm watching, that I'm awake, that I am, uh, that I am perceptive to what's going on in the world around me. I can't be out of place and expect to hear and see what God wants me to hear and to see. It requires a proper positioning. You can't be hit and miss in your prayer life. You can't be hit and miss in your faithful attendance to the kingdom of God and to the local church. You've got to plug in and find your position. You see all these people you saw up here. What have they said? Pastor, we don't, we want to stand our watch. We have a responsibility. Now, here's what you need to understand. That sentry that was guarding the wall, he's not just guarding his stuff. He is guarding his stuff. But whose stuff is he guarding? The whole city. Because understand, you've heard that thing, the, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. He's not just guarding his stuff. Most people, all they can see is, I just got to make sure nobody gets my stuff. 
It's my world. Don't nobody mess with my stuff. Listen, God's searching for some people who will step up to the plate and catch the vision of God for their life and they'll position themselves in a place where they can, they can not only guard their stuff, but they realize, hey, God's placed me here and I'm taking ownership of the corporate responsibility of the vision of God for my life. I'm taking ownership of the vision of evangelism and harvest. I'm not going to be out of position in 2015. I'm going to stay connected to the vision of God. I'm going to plug in and get involved. Hey, listen, let me just tell you something. Faithful attendance on Sunday morning has a, a multiplying, snowballing effect in your life and in the church. Listen, just understand this. If you're a 50 percenter, it takes me three or four Sundays to tell you one thing. Am I right? And most people, the stats are that most, what they call faithful people, are only here 50% of the time. If you will just up it to 75%, there's a compounding of impact that will happen in your life and in the local church. In other words, truth, another thing happens, truth starts being disseminated quicker and more effectively. People catch things quicker and more effectively. So I want to encourage you in 2015, you say, I'm taking, I'm standing my watch. Some people, hey, some of you got this spot, you, this is your spot, and you, man, don't mess with my spot. Hey, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your place in the family of God. You say, this is, hey, this is who I am. This is who we are. Look your teenagers in the eye. Hey, if at all possible on Sunday, and ooh, even Wednesday, we're going to plug in and get involved in our spot because we know when we do that, God will begin to speak to us and help us and we'll begin to see and hear the vision of God for our life and we'll grow spiritually and we'll be more impacting in the kingdom of God and God's vision will begin to be realized in the church. Somebody say amen. We got to position ourselves at a place of higher perspective so we can hear what God says to us and then we'll just respond to the correction of God right and say so be it in my life everyone say clarity of vision the second thing I want to tell you is commitment to the vision I'm going to do this quickly Habakkuk had a clear commitment to the vision of God even before he heard what it was he had a commitment number one to stand everyone say stand he took ownership of the corporate responsibility. He said, hey, I'm going to stand my watch. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm positioning myself. I'm committed to stand here. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to see the vision of God come to reality. And not just for me, myself, and I, but for the sake of the kingdom of God. Number two, he committed to stay. When he said, I set myself. Everyone say, set myself. That set means I'm, I'm here to stay. I set myself. Some people, when they come through church, they have no setting power. Uh, I'm not talking about just sit soaking in sour. They have no staying power. They got an itch in their giddy up. They got a burr under their saddle. They got an issue. Everybody's got an issue. I mean, I find people come to church. Man, you think everything's okay. You start poking around. Ooh, there's issues. Everybody's got issues. Ooh, ah, ee, ah. And, and as a result, they have no staying power because they got issues. And they got issues with the preacher. got issues with the singer. They got issues with the usher. They got issues and they got the bob syndrome how many of you know what the bob syndrome is if bob's got a problem with everybody bob's probably the problem i hope nobody in here is named bob today but hey 
We've got to have a, we've got to have staying power. He said, I'm going to set myself on the tower. I'm not moving. I'm sticking by the stuff. He was committed to the vision. He said, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stay. Number three, he said he was committed to secure the vision. What does it say? God spoke to him. Write it down. Somebody say, write it down. In other words, hey, write it down. Don't miss this. Don't, don't miss what I'm saying to you. You gotta, you gotta record it. You, you gotta back up your files. You gotta do something. You gotta put it in your memory bank. You cannot forget what I'm gonna say to you. I'm securing it. See, sadly today, when some of you walk out these doors, the vision of God the purpose of God will not be secure in your heart. You need to write it down. Remember it. Memorize it. And then next Sunday, Pastor Sam's going to come back. He's going to stir it up in you again. Hey, we're not taking down the cross next Sunday. You might as well get it now. Secure this thing. Get it in your heart. Write it down. Nehemiah was committed to stand. He was committed to stay. He was committed to secure. And number four, he was committed to share the vision of God. Because it says, write it down, make it plain on tablets that he may what? Run who reads it. In other words, what I'm going to say to you is not just for you. You write it down, not just for you. You write it down for others. You be someone who shares the vision of God, uh, for your church family and for the, for your family as a, as a, as a, as a family. You share it with your family. You look at your family. Hey, I encourage uh, husbands and wives to meet with their kids and say, this is what we're going to do in 2015. We're going to, hey, this is where we're going in 2015. This is what's going to happen in our, our family in 2015. This is what we want to accomplish in our family in 2015. Do it in your finances. Do it with your fun things. Do it with your church. Plug in. Get involved. Hey, and get committed to the vision of God for your life. Amen? And then finally, Nehemiah learned what it took for the completion of the vision. Now, I shared with you, what did God say to him? It will surely come. Somebody tell somebody, it will surely come. But it's not without cooperation. And what Nehemiah, pardon me, I keep wanting to throw Nehemiah in there. What Habakkuk had to understand that he had to trust God through the process. Because look what God said to him. He said, it's yet for an appointed time. Habakkuk had to trust, number one, God's timing. How many of you know there's some timing issues with God? You got to learn to trust God's timing. There's a place and a time. And if you're walking in that understanding... If you're walking in trusting uh, the timing of God, and I, if you could throw that up for, for me, I'd appreciate it. If you're trusting God's timing, you're walking with a sense of destiny in your life. And you know that every day could be a day of destiny. That every day is not just another day. Every day is not just the same old, same old day. You wake up every morning and go, whoo, I'm living in the middle of the destiny of God for my life. And there is an appointment for me today. There's the timing of God for me today. I'm going to lift up. Did you know most people miss the, the appointments? Because they got their head down, and they're not up on the tower. They're not standing up. They got their head down, stuck in their own stuff, and have forgot about God's stuff because their stuff got them all stuck up and just all messed up. And they got the head down and have not come to a place where I'm trusting that every day God has an appointment for me. I'm living in the middle of the vision and the destiny of God 
for my life. Number two, for the completion of the vision, God had to share with uh, Habakkuk not only that he had to trust God's timing, but that he had to trust God's truth, that God was telling him the truth, that what he was saying was not a lie. He said, it is not a lie. He said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Let me tell you something. When God begins to speak to you, he's not lying to you. He's not a liar. Somebody say it real loud. God's not a liar. He's not going to lie to you. And when he says he wants to bless you, by golly, he wants to bless you. When he says he wants to use you dynamically, by golly, by goodness, he wants to use you dynamically. He wants to move through your life. You've got to trust what he's telling you. It's true. In fact, the Bible says God's not a man that he should lie. Amen. And what Jesus said about the truth. Wah, wah, wah. It'll set you free. Whew, amen. Hallelujah. Habakkuk had to learn to trust God's timing. He had to trust God was telling the truth. And then number three, he had to trust God's tarrying. Now, interesting what he says. He says, it will not lie. The last phrase, the last sentence Though it tarries, speaking of the vision of God, the plan of God, wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. I'm about done, but everybody say, wait for it. Because it will surely come. Everyone say, it'll surely come. And then say, it will not tarry. Now, he just said, it'll tarry. Then he said, it will not tarry. How many of you know God's in his best way? He knows how he's trying to infinite God. Who, how many of you know his timetable is not our timetable? His clock is not our clock. He always has been. He always will be. We are finite. He is infinite. Are you with me? And so he's trying his best to address that with us. He says, though it tarries, wait for it. What's he saying? I know you're human. I know you live uh, by cr- chronology. I know you're, this is just the way it is. Tick tock, tick tock. I know, but you're going to have to be patient because my timetable is not your timetable. And on my timetable, it will not tarry. On your timetable, it seems to be tarrying. And just like my brother Eddie always say, he's Jehovah Nicotine. He shows up, y'all are slow. It's just, it's only 12.01. He's Jehovah, I'm going to try to finish strong. Sure good to see Manuel back there. Manuel, God bless you, good to have you with us, brother. Hey, at the close of this service, I want you to come pray for us. Don't let me forget, he's going to pray over our church. And you can pray in your, in some other, you can pray in tongues, you can pray in whatever language you speak, wherever you go, and you can pray in English. All right, don't let me forget that. Because we're going to pray for souls, by the way. We're about done. God has a timetable. He's Jehovah Nicotine. He's got a plan. And I believe he wants it to come to fruition. Now, as we close today, I don't have time to spend a lot of time with you trying to convince you that there's some things in your life that need to change. But let me just say, all of us, there's some things in our life that need to change. If we're going to hear what he has for us to hear, we've got to see what he has for us to see. If we're going to see what he has for us to see, 
we've got to let some things be changing in our life. And begin to position ourselves and get a new perspective about where we are and what's going on in our world. How many of you know God's got a better perspective about you than you? And He wants to bring you up, cause you to realize you're seated with Him in heavenly places and begin to see the bigger picture. And then we can begin to trust His timing, His truth, and His tarrying. Some of you have been tarrying. Hey, let me just say to you, in God's time, He will not tarry over you. And He wants to use you greatly. As we close today, I want us to spend a little time. If you haven't filled out your card, we're just going to spend a little time. Jeremy's going to turn this music up a little bit. And we're going to come to the cross. And we're going to catch the vision of evangelism and harvest by taking a little tack. And just pinning our friends to the cross. You want to do that today? And then all this week, all this month, really for the next two months at least, we'll be gathering around the cross and praying for them. You want to do that today? Let's stand together. At your will, at your discretion, right now I'm going to ask you to begin to make your way. It may take a little time. In fact, Beverly, I want you to get some of the tacks and just kind of hold them in your hand so, so people can begin to get them. And when you stick their name on the cross... I want you to say, Lord, touch them. Touch them. Give it a little push. And just tack their name to the cross today. Father, we thank you for these that are being pressed into the cross. Yeah, hand out. Just take them and let them hand them out. Just hand them out. Let people get ready. You can gather around. Once you get attacked, you can come up behind. You can come around. You can come on all sides. It's not one at a time. Just begin to nail them to the cross this morning. Father, today as we close this service, we pray for these who are being brought to the cross. Let our vision, Lord, be to see them born again. Let our vision and our passion, our burden, be to cause them and see them and lead them to Christ. Lord, today... We catch the vision of God for our life. We put ourselves on a higher level. And Lord, we ask you to give us a better perspective. We ask you, Lord God, to, to, to posture ourselves to be corrected by you. And Lord, we open ourselves up. Don't let us view life through the wrong lens of correction. Lord, we want you to change some things in our, our lives and in our families, in our hearts. Correct us, oh God. For the next few moments, after you nail some people's names to the cross, just, just spend a little time. You can come to the altar and just say, God, correct me. Oh, I open myself up to be corrected by you. I yield myself to the corrective hand of God in my life today. Thank you, Lord. We bless you today. We give you all the glory. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we lift these up to you. Lord, let this not just be a one-day thing. But Lord, let us catch the vision of harvest and evangelism. In Jesus' name. Wow. Can you imagine what this cross is going to look like in three months? We may have to get another one. Names all over this cross. Lord Jesus. Where's my wife, Beverly?
Amen.